Hello out there world, welcome to episode 23 of the Modern Educator Podcast. Uh, this is also another very special episode of the Modern Educator Podcast, where I'm rehashing our reactions to uh, surviving the 2020 school year and the challenges associated with teaching during the pandemic. And I am once again uh, joined by my guest from a previous episode, episode 14, Peter Cernak. Thank you for being here, Peter. Thanks for having me, Mr. Brown. Yeah, good good to have you, bud. So uh, our whole topic of conversation for the podcast today, how was teaching during this last school year? So it was uh, it was definitely difficult uh, this past year. I think last time I was on here, we talked about uh, the future of online education. We talked about uh, kind of looking forward. So this is a great way to... Uh, kind of look back uh, at what went on this year, but it was uh, it was difficult. Uh, I'm, yes. not, I'm not going to lie there, but there was at least a few adjustments that, that were made and a few positives that came out of it. And I, I, I think we, we've talked about this before kind of off the podcast, but one big positive for me is the lecture videos that I did this uh, this past year. So um, just to explain it briefly for everyone, I and I know uh, Corey did the same thing here. Um, we videotaped ourselves uh, lecturing and then put that on YouTube or whatever, or the Edpuzzle or whatever video hosting site we wanted, and students were able to watch that. And I think that's a very empowering thing for students because now they can watch the lectures on their own and they can you know, re-watch re them or re-look uh, re at them if they need to do so. And that was definitely something they, that they could not do before. Yes, and look, I, I also followed that strategy, and I'm going to have that strategy going on for the remainder yep. of my career as an mm -hmm. educator, online or in person. But I will say this, though, Peter. I think that there is an art to giving a live presentation. And in all my years when we worked together at Rancho, and now I'm working at Desert Oasis, where I have given a lecture, I like to, I don't know, include my students in the audience and do some, mm -hmm. some like, theatrics in front of my students. Yes. And... This new kind of pre-recorded video lecture, I can't do that. I, I would absolutely agree with you, and that's something that I've worked on, um, me personally, over, over the years. I know in my, in my first few years of teaching, I was so focused on, do I know the information, and can I convey it to the students in a way that is efficient? And being focused on that level of efficiency doesn't necessarily work out because students get really, really bored. So it is important to have those kind of tricks up your sleeve where you call on a student or you incorporate them into the story uh, somehow in order to uh, get them more involved in the lecture. And I do agree with you, you can't do that online. And I tried to do a few things where um, maybe I would move around a little bit or play around with the sound effects just to add a little bit of humor, but it just falls flat because yeah. you don't, if you can't have a relationship with the students or, or you can't build a relationship with your audience, then the jokes don't work. Even if they are legitimately funny, even if they're legitimately entertaining, it just it just ends up falling flat. Well, and, and one thing I found was when I pre-recorded my lecture videos, I could record some of them in like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, huh, every year when I've done this to a, a group of students, it usually takes me 40 minutes. And it's because when I'm doing it live, there's a lot more, I don't know, some of that theatrics and engaging right. with direct students and giving them time to write their notes down more diligently. But okay, so even though we both agree it's kind of sad that uh, right. the future of education won't have the theatrical presentations, <laughs> yes. I'm not losing too many tears over this no. because I want to use all that time that used to be committed to lectures to now focus on skills and activities and direct engagement right and for i guess for people who because we once again have talked about this uh, off the air as well it allows you to be in two places at once yes. i mean if there's yes. like so if there's a lecture that i have that has a, a good story that i enjoy telling and i get a lot of laughs out of it you know i'm going to tell that in class and that would be great but if there's a maybe a lecture that i'm not as passionate about or something that uh, i just you know, it's just not as great of a lecture. Well, I can just get the facts and have students watch the lecture on uh, their computers or on their phone or whatever it is that they happen to be using. And then I can work with kids who need help with their writing and their other historical skills. And I think that's going to be a huge thing for me moving forward. That's just going to make me a more efficient teacher for the students. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I can totally foresee myself doing this next year. Like I'll say, okay, kids, you know, yesterday I assigned you all to watch this video lecture. 
who did not watch it. And I'll have kind of a record of it from the Edpost videos. And I'll say, all right, Steve, John, Jack, go in the back of the room, get a, a laptop out, put your headphones on, and watch the lecture that was you were supposed to watch for homework. Mm -hmm. But you other kids in the room, I'm going to give you like maybe like a quick bonus lecture where I'll like, I don't know, give some more details about the relationship between Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn that's, I don't know, kind of funny and weird. Right, It yeah. doesn't really have to do with the direct curriculum, but it's just like, okay, this is something that, that I know I can engage students with right. better in person. Yeah, so that that's going to be my my take. Yeah, and it really does, uh, and, and I was thinking about doing, doing something similar, some sort of um, activity that you can do in class, because so often um, I was, I, I at least felt limited because there's always five or six students who wouldn't do the homework at home so I could never fully flip the classroom and have it yeah. really work for me but in this case you can kind of flip it or you can um, do um, I guess extra things in the class if you choose to do so because those students have ways to catch up so you yeah. have a way to individualize the education uh, for students and, and work with those who want to move ahead and also in a weird way simultaneously work with those kind of virtually who maybe need some some catching up but and it's totally you being in two places at once because i yeah. remember uh at rancho high school there was the medical magnet and there was one day where you know i had kind of pre-planned my whole lessons and 70 percent of my students went on a field trip to explore mm -hmm. a hospital mm -hmm. and like that was a very valuable field trip for all those medical magnet kids but when they came back the next day, I was like, you know, now on lecture three of World War II, that totally themed off of lecture number two. Right. So I made the tactical choice where I said, okay, I'm just going to do lecture number two again, or I'm going to do it in this like really fast, nondescript way. Um, but but if I had the ability to reference my library of pre-recorded lectures, um, then I could have been like, okay, everyone was on the field trip yesterday, watch that right. while kids in the class we're moving on exactly i've run into situations like that before i mean whatever if it's field trips or uh, i think like sometimes like class pictures or something yeah, often oh would mess with my schedule so yeah testing it, oh, oh yep yep yeah whenever they pull and, and a lot of people who aren't teachers don't think about that and, and you, know, you can't blame them for thinking yeah. about that you don't think about all of the other things students have to do, whether it's the massive amount of testing that we do or the field trips, and it's just there's a lot of things that pull students out of your class and make it a lot more difficult for us to catch them up. Yep, yeah. for sure. Okay, so uh, what, are, what are some other lessons you've learned from the pandemic? I think the biggest one is just how important relationships are. Oh, and I, yes. I just, I like, and I know that we've talked about it. I've talked about it with other teachers as well, but it still just sticks on my mind as something that is, is so important because it's really, well, it's almost impossible to build the relationships uh, online. I guess not impossible. There are ways to do it. Yeah. I, I built relationships with some kids online. Like there are kids who say, Mr. Brown, you're my favorite teacher. And these are kids I've never met in person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But every student I've ever taught in my life, you could say, Mr. Brown, tell me something about that kid. And I will right. tell you something. Correct. Except for this year. Yes, and I this would year, absolutely agree. I would say about half of the students I taught, I never saw them turn their camera on. I never saw them interact with me in any way other than simply turning in my assignments. So I don't know them. So, and, and I think, so I'll, I'll build upon uh, this a little bit here, because we, I think we have talked about relations, maybe even on the show before, but I've also found that it's almost uh, in a weird way, one sided, my students mm. will know me, but I will not know them. So you know, for yeah. an actual example, um, I had a lot of students come in and take the test, AP, the AP test in person. And that was the first time they had showed up to school in about a year. I had to go, I, I was walking around and asking students, you know, any, you know, any last questions, anything I can help you with. But my first question for them was, do I have you in class? Because there were many students that I didn't recognize. And there's a, another teacher who has a, uh, the AP world history students. So I wasn't sure if they, they were in his class student, or my yeah. class. And um, you didn't even know who was your student. No, I had no, well, because the, the only thing I've seen is their little avatars yes. on their, their Google, like Google meets or Google classroom or um, whatever it is. Um, but they knew me and they were shocked that I didn't know them until I explained, yeah. well, one, you have a mask on. So I can only see half your face anyways, but two, I've never seen you in person. Um, and it, it, it makes it, it just makes it so 
uh, so difficult, um, especially, and I think we talk about this with grading as well, because mm -hmm. when I know a student and I see their name on the paper, I can visualize the student in, in my head and I can, and when I'm grading, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, here's what I'm going to say to this student, but I don't have that when, um, when I don't really know who they are or even what they look like. Yeah. If, if I know the students, I'm keeping this kind of mental tracker going like, oh, like. Steve is continually screwing up his thesis sentences. Mm -hmm. So the next time I talk to Steve, I'm going to like, you know, maybe give him some advice or, oh, Steve, John, and Billy are all in this class. They all screw up the thesis sentence. Maybe I'll create this special one-off lesson just to help those kids out. Mm -hmm. But when, and, and I mean, I definitely did this. Throughout the time grading in Canvas, I would see, you know, you have these 30 assignments to grade. I wouldn't even look at the names. Correct. I would just, oh. I would just go off the rubric, answer, 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 because... I was being a robot teacher, and they were being robot students. Correct, and, and you know, I so a lot of students said the same thing. It doesn't feel like that we're doing uh, you know work, or it, I forgot how exactly how they phrased it. it doesn't we're feel, not doing work. No, I it, they said I don't feel as though we are learning. I feel as though we're just completing tasks, and mm. that's exactly how I felt. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not assessing you so much as I am just clicking through things to make sure that number of graded papers gets down to zero. Yeah, and I. Uh, look, I absolutely agree with your statement that this last year there was a lot of completing tasks and not learning. Mm -hmm. And I think some higher level education people, if they were here in the podcast uh, studio with us, they would say, well, Mr. Brown and Mr. Cernak, you guys didn't create the learning environment that you could have in the Google Meet. But let me tell you what we were working with. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the ability to force kids to turn their cameras on. Correct. We didn't have the ability to force kids to turn their mics on. No. And heck, I, I don't think I even had the ability to force kids to participate in the chat. So uh, yeah, no, I, I certainly certainly didn't. And then we also had the um, I, I don't know if uh, your school had the rule, but the rule that if a student shows up, even if it's for five minutes, they are marked yeah, present. Marked present. There yeah. were so there, some students who chose that. There option. were kids who, who blinked in and yep. blinked out and they were still present and not penalized for Correct. the day. Um, but it was, I felt in so many ways our hands were tied mm -hmm. that uh, the way that you can create a proper learning environment is by encouraging student participation, rewarding student participation. Yes. We weren't allowed to do either of those things. Yes. So look, every day I would encourage students to participate in my simulations, encourage students to ask questions, encourage students to present themselves, but very few did. And I know that going forward in the future, Clark County has this policy saying that if you're a student who wants to learn online, you still can do it, but every day you must have your camera on, you must have your mic on, and if you're getting less than a C, we're going to force you to go back into the building. And I, I, I totally agree with that. It's one yes. of the rare times where I actually agree with the CCSD policy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, no, I agree with that, is that there, we, we did need to do a trial and error in order to figure out what those rules should be. And yeah. I would agree that, look, you have to have your camera on so I know you're there. And more important, I think even more importantly, you have to have your microphone on because there were so many teachers who would say things like, uh, Jason, can you answer question number one? Jason, yeah. Jason, J yeah, and they're not there or their mic's not on. And it just, it, it disrupts the whole um, flow. The yes. Yeah. I never realized, especially when I, I first graduated, um, from teacher college how important that showmanship and that flow was like if you lose student engagement because you don't flow quite correctly your transition isn't good you lose them for the rest of the class and yep. it's very easy to lose them when someone doesn't have the microphone on or the camera or you're waiting on them to respond in the chat oh makes yeah. it very difficult that was the worst uh -huh. um but i mean i i was pretty grateful though that uh I think I had it easier than most teachers that I taught mostly AP classes yes. and most of my, I can't even say most, but every one of my classes, there was maybe about eight kids who were consistent participators and yeah. they kept those classes alive and God bless them. You're right. Oh yes. No, those kids are, those kids are a God set. Uh, yeah. They really, uh, really helped, uh, helped out uh, and made you, I could tell the difference between the classes. If I had a class that mm -hmm. had a lot of people who would participate, it was a pretty enjoyable class, at least at least for me. But there were a couple classes where, you know, only four or five regular participants are are, are in there, and it just makes it um, 
very difficult uh, yeah. for, for me and I think for the other students. But, but you know what's the, the really sad thing about this last year, Peter, is if we were in real in-person learning the whole year, I would still have appreciated those heavy participating mm -hmm. students, but I would have spent extra time in my classes to really try to bring out those kids who are a little more quiet, a little more passive. Yeah. I'd go out of my way to get to know them better, to encourage them to participate in learning. Um, but this year, I didn't even have that option. No. You... If, if you were a kid who didn't want to turn your mic on or your camera on, I literally was told, I can't make you. Right, and that it, it almost creates this um, sink or swim approach where if you're a kid who, or maybe I say keep say say kid, keep saying kid, with they're they're old enough to drive at this point, so they're almost young adults. But um, they, um, if if you're a student who wanted to participate, this was great for you because no one else stood in your way. You didn't have yeah. to worry about the annoying kids, students in class. But if you're a student who really didn't care too much or you weren't motivated. There was nothing a teacher was going to do in order to break you out of your shell. Or there was very little that a teacher could do in order yeah. to do that. I mean, I, I encourage kids all the time, yeah. but few, few made attempts. And I, I will say, because I, I, I think you, you use Kagan grouping as well, correct? Do you use... Explain uh, that concept. Um, the, where you take a, let's say, a student who is one of your higher achieving students and you put them next to a, a lower achieving, a lower achie yeah, achieving yeah. student. I definitely so, do that. I'm yeah, and, that. and for me, when I've used that in person, that is a great way to get the lower achieving student to participate because they'll be able to talk to the higher achieving student first, kind of hash out what their answer is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and feel a bit more confident because they're only talking to one other person and so they get their answers straight in their head and um, it, you know kind of they're ready to go so when I ever call them out in front of the whole class they can actually give an answer because they practiced it before and then I can give them positive reinforcement like hey that's a great answer great job and so they want to participate more but that can't exist in the online world you know it's just hard to you know, give the positive reinforcement or build structures that allow students to participate especially students who usually don't want to participate and and i could never understand the logic for the kids that blink in and out of a class yeah. like who whoever made that policy no like... i mean i understand the point that you know wi-fi goes goes out but i think that should have been dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis yeah. like if you're a student who is consistently blinking in, in and out yeah then let's talk with you one-on-one -on -one and hmm. see what the problem your wi-fi always is working at 8 a.m but stops working at 801 p <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly you're, you're in it um, and then you're not in it yes. like, what the well heck? i so i actually had a student miss class one day and he emailed me after and he's he's a really nice kid and everything but he just emailed me and said hey i was absent uh, yesterday can you can you excuse that like didn't give me a reason didn't even make up like oh i was at the doctors or something just can you excuse that because he knows that all he needs to do is just say, say yes, make so. make some sort of virtual contact with me and i have to change it to it to present so and um i think i think this uh, maybe segue into it to another conversation here about um and consequences in the mm. online because there are none none uh if you don't show up i can't realistically do what am i going to do i'm going to give you a detention like you're yeah. online I, I heard that there are some schools in ccsd this last year who had a no fail policy oh really? every kid got a minimum of a d wow. that wasn't true at my school no that was not true but, I, I had a, a few f's in in my, in my classes but um yeah, I wow, that's amazing that they had a uh, no fail. If policy. there's a no fail policy, why would the lower achieving kids attempt anything? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no incentive if you know you're gonna get credit for it. Um, maybe we could we could talk about this as well because I was I was speaking about this with um, a, a counselor earlier today. Um, what do you think are going to be the biggest issues kind of moving forward here? Because what I'm worried about is students have been used to online learning. They've mm. been used to uh, you know, things like the minimum F or things like yeah. the no-fail policy. And I'm, I'm, but I all wonder that, how that's going to manifest itself next year. All that's coming forward. Like, okay, like these are public statistics, but Clark County School District failed far more kids this year than like any year in our history. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it makes sense because it's the pandemic. Uh -huh. And our district overlords have decided that the reason, I, they'll probably agree the reason it's a pandemic, of course it is. Yes. But to address this, 
they're having all these new standardized grading policies going forward across the entire district. Mm -hmm. And look, I, I agree with some of the policies. I disagree with some of the policies. But ultimately, these policies are reducing rigor. They yes. are reducing the teacher's ability to properly kind of like address and decide their curriculum. Um, and uh, I think I think CCSD is just finding ways to just say, oh, look, you're a kid who did something. Congratulations, you graduated high school. Yes. And a good friend of mine is a uh, administrator at the University of Las Vegas, Nevada. And he's told me multiple times, he's like, the kids you are sending to us are not ready for college. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard things that are, are similar to that, especially I, I I'm not sure where I'm getting this information information from. I know someone said it to me at one point, but that there's more and more students taking remedial college yes. classes because yes. they um, weren't weren't prepared in high school, and a lot of that is you know our hands as, as teachers are tied because. If we put too much rigor in the class, we end up failing students. Yep. That makes it look bad. Or especially since you and I are AP teachers, a lot of students have the option to drop our class. Correct. Uh, I had probably 33% of kids drop my human geography class this year. Yeah. That's huge. That doesn't, especially amongst freshmen, that doesn't necessarily yeah. surprise me. And I, um, I mean, I don't have the, my numbers, but I know I had quite a few students drop either at the end of the first quarter or um, end of the first semester. Um, and, and part of that is the online learning and the pandemic and, mm -hmm. and all of that. But I, I'm worried that this is going to set students back quite a bit because they've been used to not having that rigor. And it's once you get rid of rigor, it's very difficult to yes. bring it back. To bring it back. Yes. And uh, heck, I mean, I've been doing summer school and you've been doing summer school mm -hmm. for the last couple of days. And uh, I'm now, you know, back physically in the classroom. None of this online stuff anymore. And I'm overhearing some student conversations and chatter. And so many of the students commented like, online learning was so hard. We had so much work to do all the time. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking in my head like, man, like I probably cut half my curriculum when I yep. adjusted it to be online. Correct. So I, uh, there, there's no way I'm cutting it anymore. No. Oh, no. No I, way. I, I, I can't. Uh, I no. mean, there's, there are certain standards that the college board wants me to teach and I, I mean, there were there were times where I thought to myself, especially during the online uh, online learning year, I can't cut this down any more than I already have. Like, there's mm -hmm. I can't go any faster and still cover all the, the material. Barest of bones. Yes, yes. So no more meats. No, unfortunate. But um, I think I think it was it was something that was necessary to help help kids out at least in the online environment. But we'll see how that affects them moving well, forward. And, and let me tell you something that was just so frustrating in the online environment that I would always be able to address in the in-person environment. So in the in-person world, it wouldn't be uncommon, but a kid would be absent from your class during a test day. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I would do is I would just get a copy of the test. I would write the kid's name on it. I'd put that test in this like little filing drawer thing behind my desk. And I would just have a little note that it's like, okay, the next time I see that kid, I'm going to give them that test. They're going to take it in the back of the classroom. They're going to turn it in. Right. Because, you know, the, the biggest part about being a teacher is I have to assess my students. Yeah, I have to do I it. have to know what they know. Mm -hmm. I have to give them a grade appropriate upon that. And uh, in this online world, many students, I would, would be in my virtual classroom mm -hmm. and I would post the link. And I would say, okay, the test is unlocked everybody complete that test right now that's the rest of the period you can log out of the google meet but everybody please do this test yep 35 kids would leave my google meet an hour later i'd have 19 submissions right and i'm just like okay what about those other 16 yes i had a very similar prob problem there. and i actually so what i did and I don't know if this was appropriate or not, but it's... It's online it. learning, man. We're yeah. all figuring this uh, out together. So I gave them a week. I said, okay. because usually my test would have two parts, um, and I would take do two days of testing. So I would say, look, I'm going to open up on Sunday. It closes on Saturday. If you want to show up to class and take the test, that's fine. If you would rather not show up to class, that's fine as well. I'm not doing any content, any material. Just take the test at literally any time during this week. I still had kids not take the test. Um, and it just, it, it very, very frustrating. Well, I had kids not even take my final exam. And final exams yeah. are 20% of your final oh, grade. Yep. Absolutely. Like, yep. It's, 
it's shocking because that just wouldn't happen correct in, in person space and it makes it much more difficult for you and i was actually the the counselors at, at my school were talking about this um especially when we're talking about dropping students at the semester because every once in a while you do have students who maybe just ap isn't for them maybe they're yeah. not ready for it they have to you know drop back down to honors and you know that's that's fine that's the way it is but if they don't turn in their exams i can't assess them are they failing because they don't turn things in or are they failing because they don't understand there's no way for me to know if they don't turn it in yeah and i i'm just trying to like put my brain as a teenager during this pandemic so you know that finals week is happening yes you know that mr brown gave you a final in your history class Should but your that. thought is you know what i'm not even gonna do it yeah I'm not even going to try. I don't understand that because... Like you're going to fail my class. Correct. Yeah, there's there's no way around it. And, you know, I mean, I gave out multiple choice tests. I imagine you did as well. Yeah. You can... I mean, statistically speaking, you got a one in four shot of getting yeah. the question, right? So Well, and my there. school has the policy, if you don't attempt the assignment, I give you 40%. If you yep. attempt the assignment, even if you get 30% on it, I give you a minimum of 50%. I, I, and my uh, old school, my previous school, had a very similar policy to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I still have kids, students not turn in anything at all. Um, speaking of, uh, of testing, um, I know one thing I've noticed. There's no way that I can prove that students cheated, but my scores suspicions. were really, really high. Mine and, were too, especially yeah. uh, the fact that you know I taught a lot of these students in person, their ninth grade mm -hmm. year, and I know their test performances. Yes. But you know, this year I just had a couple kids, Peter, wouldn't you believe it? Got mm -hmm. a perfect score on every single multiple choice test. Wow, that's a, they're doing, you know, they, they must be was, studying a lot. It yeah. was such, it was incredible improvement. Yeah. Um, but look, I can't immediately claim that they were cheating and colluding together. No. And maybe it's very possible that and I, I do believe this happened kids took really good notes yep. they had their notes out in front of them they had their notes out while they took the test and i mean i can't no use that no so. um my uh, my younger brother is uh, in, in college right now and when i visited him at one point he showed me how it was possible to cheat he said well look uh, here's where i can put my notes and they can't see them through the webcam so and there's I mean, I already knew it before he even told me that, but and I, there was just nothing that I could do as a teacher, um, which is, uh, and, and I know, because uh, I was reading an, an article at some point about a college professor who attempted to catch students cheating um, and tried to call them out because their test scores were too high and didn't really get much uh, because a lot of yeah. students pretty much said, look, I, we know you can't prove it, so I can just say I didn't cheat and there's, there's nothing you can do. Mm. Um, and that uh, that was a, a big, uh, I think, detriment to online learning because the, the whole point of testing is for me to know where you're at. Yeah. If you are a person, it, it's like going to the doctor's office. Look, there might be some bad things that you've done. Maybe you, you smoked or something, but the doctor wants to know that. He's not going to judge you. He just wants to know where you are at so he can be the best doctor he mm -hmm. can be. I can't be the best teacher I can be for you if... Um, you're a C student, but you're constantly cheating and getting A's in my yeah. class. Or, or also like, you know, like uh, I put these timers on my essays near mm, the end right. of the year. Yep. And like some students submitted a full five paragraph essay in one minute. Or sorry, it says less than a minute. Yep. So you know what that was? It was a control C yep. and a control V. Yes. Copy, I, paste. I had one student uh, submit an almost perfect essay after scoring you know f's and d's the entire year scored uh all, all the, like almost a perfect essay in 17 minutes I'm like wow this is a lot of improvement this online learning stuff uh, must be really working for you i really do feel like the people above us at the higher levels assumed that there were these students waiting at home just eager to learn eager to get online and to experience mm -hmm. high school or middle school or elementary school and maybe the elementary school kids literally are eager to learn i've seen some of them yeah but a lot of these high school kids many of them cr played the game to kind of just cheat our system as much right. as they could yes where they turn off their camera and then they just 
swivel their chair around and start watching Netflix. Yes, um, and we—I mean—that we also have to remember what high schoolers are uh, incentivized by. They're not mm-hmm. incentivized by. I mean, there are obviously some teachers that they like, and there's obviously high schoolers who want to do well, but one of the major incentives of going to high school is going to a building where you know everyone there and you can talk to people. And then we kind of, it's almost like a price to pay for them, right? They're like, I get to hang out with my friends and socialize, and all I have to do is listen to this teacher, and then I get to go do what it is that I want to do. But in the online world, that incentive no longer exists. But here's the thing, and I, I brought this up with James, it could have existed. Mm-hmm. We could have done this. Yes. Um, no one brought it up because our entire focus was just how can we give kids content and how can we yes. make them learn? But the the thing that we should have done was created like these unmonitored Google Meets, these Hangout spaces, yes. these Netflix watch parties. We, we should have had virtual hangout spaces for kids yes my school tried to do that but they had them very structured and there was a teacher assigned to each one and the teacher was supposed to like talk about all this social emotional stuff with kids and look i'm not saying that wasn't helpful right but what would have really been helpful is to be like hey who wants to get into this multi-room google meet and just talk about anime with other kids who wants to talk about football who wants to talk about dance and like kids would have come. I really think I really think they would have because so many kids I think were sick and tired of either sitting by themselves or you know talking to the people that they are related to, and they would have loved to talk to someone in um, kind of an unmoderated way. Yeah, and in I know there, way. I know that there was this big emphasis because other teachers brought it up about well, what if they do something bad in the chat or some Kids do something bad in the school all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's the same concern with in person. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think that was a, a, a fair uh, uh, assessment of that to just say, well, you know, we, because we can't monitor it, we can't do it. Well, you, that's not fair. You, you know, Peter, there's this podcast that both you and I listen to called The Daily. And I'm oh, yes. bringing that up here in this uh, podcast now because there's a Supreme Court case currently in the Supreme Court about a girl uh, who posted a Snapchat about how much she hates her high school cheer team, mm-hmm. uh, and the school punished her for that. So I, it's interesting. I'm going to cut you off, but, oh, uh, and yeah. then I'll let you go. So it's interesting you bring this up. Um, currently, for those of you who are listening, I'm teaching summer school right now, and one of the my summer school classes is current events. And just yesterday, we did freedom of speech and oh, brought this and exact brought this case. exact case. So, okay, so you're probably more educated on the night. So I will I will send it back to you. So yeah, we'll finish your um, thought there. But but it's it, it relates to our greater conversation point about are teachers required to monitor the online space. Because yeah. this school in what I think it was Kentucky thought, okay, this girl posted a Snapchat on a Saturday while right. she was hanging out in a coffee shop yes. about our school. Therefore, our school will punish her. Correct. And I think that – I think there's a lot of stuff wrong with that. Like I think in our new online free world, I think it's unfair to task a school – with monitoring all online interactions of their students. Okay, so it's interesting that you bring it up in that way because so many people have focused on what the school did to the girl and have taken the girl side. In fact, I one of the I mean, I'm taking the girl side. One, one, one of my high school students said, "I don't understand why she's she's getting in trouble at all." But I think it's interesting. And one, I guess, analysis that we didn't talk about is now the if depending on how this Supreme Court case works out, now the school has to be more responsible for more things if we if we the Supreme Court chooses to rule in a certain way uh, yeah. on this on this case. Um, and I certainly didn't. Think about it in that that way. Well, and I, I like uh, I talked to a friend not too long ago who's a, a high school administrator here, and uh, she told me that it is sort of weird that if students I don't know start a fire down the street from the school, mm-hmm. school isn't responsible. No, but if a student after school hours goes home and posts on Snapchat, you know I hate Curtis Lemay. I think he's a piece of trash. I'm going to beat him up when I see him. Yeah. The school is responsible. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the school has some uh, 
some requirements to monitor cyberspace. Correct, and we've we've you know we've talked about uh, cyberbullying as yeah. well, and how the school is responsible for that. So it's it's this line that I think we're still trying to figure out where mm -hmm. that line is and and where it should be. Now, speaking of this particular case. I don't think the school should should punish her. I, I don't think I think the cheer coach should be allowed to kick her off the cheer team. Okay, uh, just because um, it's kind I, of an at will team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, because you are not being forced to go on the cheer team if you don't want to. You are more or less being forced to go to school. I would like to hope hope that her parents would talk to her and have a conversation with her about posting things online and using course language well. like that. But I do think it is out of the school's uh, jurisdiction to, to do that because um, it could, it, it, depending on the way the court case is ruled, it could lead to the school having a bit of overreach, um, yeah. especially with um, things that are, 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 are put online. I mean, so, you know, students are allowed to vent about their teachers outside of school, but if they post online, that's going too far. And it, it's, a, it's a tough line there, but we don't want to make a, I guess, a rash decision about that and, and come to regret it later. Yeah. I, see, I would, I assumed going into this job that teachers and school administrators and school staff was responsible for kids between the hours of 6.50 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. while they were on campus yeah. or participating in school-sponsored activities outside yeah. of those hours correct but as soon as those activities are done as soon as you know the kids leave the campus i think they're kind of on their own that's my understanding yeah but more and more we're finding these hazy areas where uh we don't know who's responsible anymore and i think that you know i'm bringing it all the way back to this online teaching stuff yeah is why so many people were a little bit hesitant about giving kids an open online interaction space right yeah they wanted teachers to monitor it at all times and when teachers are monitoring stuff at all times kids can't be honest with each other kids oh. feel like they're always being watched no i you know? actually noticed this and this is maybe a little nefarious of, of myself and so i had a google meet for my cross-country girls um, because we were going to be advertising for cross country, because this is back in the day where we thought that we were actually going to have a season at one point. But oh no! Yeah, obviously, which is humorous in hindsight there. Um, but when I was in the meet, they did not want to talk. They were mm -hmm. uh, they almost like quiet as a mouse. And I said, you know what? I have to leave right now because I I had to go do something. So I said, look, I'm going to keep the meat on so that way your captains can talk to you so i turned my mic off and i turned my camera off and i did actually legitimately have to go do something but i sat there for a minute just to see what would happen <laughs> they started talking to one another they would not stop talking to one another and then yeah. I, I i realized that me being there prevented them from being with one another yeah and talking to one another this, this is a concept i i believe i talked about with the james podcast as well but there were these weird socialization rules of Google Meets that teenagers followed that, honestly, I didn't want them to follow. They just kind of naturally did, where kids were afraid to turn on their mics and cameras because they were becoming the center focus of the screen. Right. And yep. I think there was also like, the, okay, this is Mr. Brown's Google Meet. Mr. Brown will be the one talking and mm -hmm. conversating with us with his camera on. And like... I never asked for that. No. It's just sort of those were the established norms at the beginning because everyone was kind of too socially awkward and scared to participate Co correct. in the beginning. And I noticed that because, uh, um, as you know, we, uh, we did the AP boot camp. Um, so yeah. that was with students outside of my own, own school. So students who I didn't know logged on to a Google Meet and all of them did the same thing. They all turned their cameras off. They all turned their, their mics off. And that was the norm mm -hmm. because to them, the norm is it is the teacher's Google Meet, the teacher will do all the talking. If I have a question or need to say something, I put it in the chat. And now that those norms have been established, it's hard to break those. Now, there's times where I like that because yeah. it allows me to do what it is I need to do. But if that's the norm, it makes it really difficult to get students to participate or to say But anything. especially when participation is always optional. Correct. It's yes. Would someone please turn their mic and camera yes. on and let yep. me know what you think? And yes. Kids are, I think they feel really anxious about that. They do. They don't, they don't want to expose themselves and become the center for 
45 kids to look at at the same time Correct. because in a in a regular classroom environment you got your kids spread out all over the room mm -hmm. you know a kid can raise their hand and kind of like pat you over so you're like okay and you kind of can have a private conversation with Correct. that student really quickly you know maybe the student is kind of an embarrassing question yeah, yeah. Um, but in an online universe if a kid has a question the whole class is going to know yes and yes. There, there could like there's that fear of like oh I might be bullied or a kid might think I'm dumb if I ask this question so right. I think a lot of kids didn't ask questions at all no and that it, it's unfortunate because that's how people learn like you you want yeah. them to uh, to ask uh, ask all those questions there and yeah it's just so difficult in the in the online environment I mean as much as we're complaining and griping about the online environment I'm sure if we had students on here they would echo many of the same things they yeah. would probably gripe about it. Uh, about online learning uh, learning as well. And I would expect them to say, the reason why I did worse in this online environment was I didn't feel motivated to participate. Yes. Um, and there's, it's, I, I can totally understand the lack yeah. of student motivation there. It's I, I didn't feel motivated. Like, look, I think I did make good enough lessons. Correct. But my excitement to go to work every day and look going to work was literally me rolling out of that bed and coming yes, into this yeah, room right. um I, I every day was kind of a slog yes yeah, yeah. It, it, because you you kind of feed off the energy of, of the, the kids yes. and they, they they feed off the energy of you and so it all kind of works but if there's a screen in the way you don't you don't have that you can't really tap into it what else do you got in your book of goodies um, peter one thing that i have that i think hasn't been discussed Ooh. by a, a, a lot or really i haven't because I, I you know i've been reading articles and listening yeah. to podcasts about the online environment um oh, but, you're making one right now yeah <laughs> that, that's also true i guess the conversation that i think we should have about teachers as I don't know, examples of how to be a good adult mm. um so one thing that i, I noticed and, and when you asked me to be on the podcast this is like the first thing that that jumped to my mind i i, I don't know what mental state I was in or anything like that. I don't know why I was thinking this way, but I, I just was, of, of the fact that I can't, one, one of the bigger parts of me being a teacher is that I understand my students are not going to remember all the information. Yeah, they're fine. Not probably not going to remember the Safavid Empire uh, of all of all things, but the I, weakest of the gunpowder. Co correct. Yes, um, but I do think that one of the major parts of being a teacher at least one of the parts that I, I like is that you get to be a good role model or at okay. least hopefully yeah. a good role model for students and as I was reflecting and thinking about this last year I had more or less been unable to do that like certainly yeah. I think I was professional online but that, that same professionalism that same uh, trying to you know be a role model for students just it, it's not there in the online environment and I think that is something that students really miss out on. And I don't think they realize they miss out on that. Uh, something that I definitely utilized while I was in school, yes. and I'm sure hundreds of students have utilized me for over the years, is Mr. Brown is the trusted adult I can go to Correct. other than my parents. Yes. It's just, it's just having another adult to just give you advice and give you ideas and talk out your plans. And I don't know, just kids... Kids need someone to talk to. Yes. And when I was in high school, it was 100% Mr. Patton. Love that man. Mm. Uh, Mr. Osborne, Mr. G. Like these, these were teachers that made a big difference in my life because they were adults I could go to my with my issues with, and those they were adults who inspired me in my life. Correct. I um, mean, I, I think back to my own education. Like I had, you know, Mr. Jones as a teacher in eighth grade. I don't remember what the guy said to me, but I also yeah. know that. You know, he wore a shirt and tie every day. He, he showed up on time. He gave good lectures. I mean, this was a guy who I, I, I knew I could trust. I could look at him and say, that's what an adult is supposed to look and act like. And yeah. that was definitely, at least from what uh, what I've experienced this year, was not present in the online environment. Yeah, M Mr. Patton, I didn't learn a single thing in his computers class. I already knew everything going mm -hmm. into it. Right. But he, he was a model of an adult I aspire to be yes. because he focused on the kids that needed the help and he was always a really positive guy and just a oh, good dude. Yes. Um, I mean, I'd like to think I was still being a role model online. Right. I, mean, I did make a difference with some kids, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, there really weren't too many of those kind of deep 
personal connections right. and it, those private conversation stuff. It just wasn't possible in the online environment. No, and I've I, I've I've heard this from I forgot I forgot who said this, but sometimes some of those uh, deeper, more meaningful conversations aren't things that you structure, but things that come up yeah, randomly. Yeah, you know, come up randomly all a, the time. A student comes to you and it has it has an issue, and that's a moment where you can kind of teach a life lesson, but mm-hmm. you can't do that if the student can't literally come to you. Yeah, with with, all, with a few exceptions, the vast majority of students who hung out with me in my office hours or after school or before school were students I taught the previous year, mm-hmm. and they mostly brought up drama or issues in their life that they had already exposed me to in the previous year correct yeah yes it was establishing that relationship and that trust it's impossible through a screen yes oh it's impossible absolutely is um and i think that is i think one advantage you had is that you knew at least some of your some of your students and so that relationship was at least somewhat there and you 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 could you could kind of tap into that um, but as for me, I had all new students, and it's hard to kind of tap into that, uh, t- tap into that, and, and have established some sort of a relationship. And I was just thinking about this the other day uh, because next year I'll be teaching some of these students as juniors, and it will be the first time I meet them in person. Um, and it's just going to be an odd moment for all of us where they know me and I've like seen their yeah. name before, but I don't know that much about them or what they like to do or what their interests are or anything like that. So. Yeah, well, actually, even in summer school, like, it's already happened, like, twice. Kids come up to me and they go, oh, hi, Mr. Brown. And I look at the kid and I'm like, I don't think I've ever met you. Yeah. Oh, oh, you were in my third period. Right, yep. Oh, I really don't know anything about you other than you passed my class with a B, I guess. Right, exactly. Oh, so. because one thing I do miss, I think it was explaining this to a, I, I had a student who asked me how I know the name so quickly. Um, and it's because I associate whoever they are with what they do. So if yeah. they wear a speech and debate shirt or if they're walking around with a water jug because they're on the wrestling team, I know that and I can ask them, oh, hey, how are you doing? How was wrestling? I can't do that in the online environment. Or even if I see students that I've had over the last year in person, I don't know what they're interested in. I don't know what sports they play or what groups they're in. And yeah. it's hard, to, hard and, to... And I'll tell you, like because I had those existing relationships... Mm-hmm. Even from the first day of online school, some of those students had little banter with me. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, I know you're really into this. And they got in it. And some of the students I could tell wanted a relationship with Mr. Brown. So they chimed in. And this one girl stayed with me afterwards and told me how much she loves Timothy Chalamet. And like every day for the rest of the entire school year, I like brought up stuff about Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's how you have to do it, it. It was her thing. Yes. So if if that continually brought her into my virtual classroom every day, so be it. Exactly. Yes. Sometimes those uh, those inside jokes. Yes. Um, it certainly certainly Ever. work wonders. Ever. Yeah. You got to tap into that. I did say, you know what, grading was a lot easier. That was one of my positive ones. Um, it, well, in a way, it was more yeah. efficient. Um, well, oh, and Peter, especially with Ed Puzzles, they graded themselves. Yes, yes, that was nice. They graded themselves. They auto-loaded into Canvas, and Canvas auto-loaded into Infinite Canvas. I did nothing, and grades existed in the gradebook. It yep. was incredible. Yes, and I do like for those... Like the multiple choice assignments or the ones where you're just kind of going through that the fact that it's it's very easy never have to run a scantron again oh right yo oh yes but i i would and maybe that's just a personal preference i would rather grade essays on pen and paper yeah i i had a lot of eye strain yeah especially when i was grading like 50 essays in a day oh never again yeah it's already tough enough grading them on pen and paper to pound out you know 50 70 essays anything like that but it just even gets gets worse online and i know they have the highlighter tools but then you got to click on the highlighter tool and then highlight and then leave a comment it's so much easier just to take a pen stroke and write a couple notes and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 100% agree but yeah no the the grading there and then i'm i don't think students read my comments as often as they did in person yeah i'll agree with that i i recall many times making these kind of detailed comments about what they did wrong on the essay uh, hoping they would read them correct but a lot of those students made the same mistakes over the entire year yeah and i think part of that maybe was i mean maybe it's just students being lazy but maybe it's also students not knowing how to access yes um and i 
couldn't see things from the student's point of view on uh, on the on canvas so i couldn't necessarily i was not the best at giving them instructions on where to go yeah. to find my comments because i don't know I, I put them there i just hope they show up man oh let's let's bring up another failure that ccsd did this year so we pushed back the start of school two weeks to mm. give us canvas training correct and the canvas training was so bad yeah, it was uh, like it was bad. i mean look i guess i learned canvas okay i did but there was like the first entire week was like you need to care about the emotions of your students and yeah. like there was just a bunch of this edge babble stuff that really wasn't useful like Correct. i needed to build curriculum man yeah. no you know it. i needed to realize the ins and outs of canvas and i mean over the course of school year, i definitely learned and but i mean even from the beginning like i think i only figured out how to do canvas quizzes like halfway through the year why didn't someone tell me that at the beginning? Right, exactly. I, I don't I, know. The stuff I found out with Canvas was because I played around with it. Yes. It was, it was not something that was uh, necessarily led uh, led by the district. And I, I do wish, and maybe this is hating on the district too much, but I do wish the district was a little bit more prepared. It almost seemed as though when it became obvious that we were going to go online, that the district had not had a plan in place. It, and I think there should have been an assumption. Yeah, I, I think that when the pandemic began, superintendents said, we're going to keep schools open. But then the mm -hmm. governor closed it from them. Yes. And I think there was just general panic at the district office for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then when we're like, okay, well, the school year is almost over anyway. Screw it. We're just ending the school year. Yes. But you would have thought that at that summer in you know june uh july they'll be like okay what if the pandemic doesn't go away right yeah that that well, should have been the big i don't think they had if. that conversation i know it, it and maybe they did and maybe this was what they came up with but it did not strike me as though someone had a conversation and said hey what if things go haywire and we we have to go online like what are we going to do because we were passing out Chromebooks like yes. crazy and people were I mean we had to push the start of school back two weeks because we yeah. um, were unsure of what to do and and I mean it, it, Peter had you and I known that this entire well it wasn't the entire school year, it basically was basically the entire school year. Was, yeah if we had known that basically the entire school year would be online we would have planned differently yeah. I certainly would have. yeah I certainly um, would but yeah we constantly were told like at any time it could be all back in there right uh, well i had a student ask me early in the year that she, uh, she asked um are we going to be back in school in october <laughs> like and, and i did not have a good answer for her. I'm like, i, I predicted know. after winter break that's what i thought i but i that didn't happen no i and really thought instead January. they turned it on like the week before spring break which was really awkward yes um, yeah so. and which would also explain why many students didn't elect to come back yes. to school because you're going to follow all these rules for a month you know like you know we've already know. gotten kind of into our groove here might as well just finish the year out yeah um, yeah yep but uh, no i'm hoping hoping that moving forward now we have a better understanding of what it like it's like to teach online and that could be an option for students who who need that well and let me comment the students who i really think benefit from online learning are the students who do go on a lot of trips, a lot of vacations. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a way to get them easily caught up. Yes. Um, and also, like, look, if a kid is absent, my material is easily accessible to them. Yes, and now you they know? actually know how to access it yeah. because they have had to do it over the last year. Yeah, if you are one of those kids who's like, oh, I'm home with strep throat, like, I can't talk and I shouldn't be around other people, but... Yeah. I still can do my work. Like, right. Just be online. That's yeah. fine. Well, if you're a student listening to this and you're still going to be in high school for a while, you should you should be a little concerned because, well, I was going to say snow days. Obviously, we don't get snow days here oh. in Vegas, but this is the end of snow days this as we know it for those of you listening yeah, in right. Michigan or the rest of the Midwest. Oh, that's a, <laughs> yeah. We had a couple snow days here in Vegas. That is true. That is true. Well, I mean... Yeah, yeah, we had the school. They're rare. But... They, are, they are rare, and there is hardly any snow on the ground. There's about an inch, and they all freak out. So if you're from the Midwest and listening to this, you can laugh at Vegas. It's kind of yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but what then, we no, call a snow day. Oh, no more snow days forever. Yes. Oh. Yeah, we should have heat days, though, because really it is should. currently uh, like 110 degrees here. Um, but it is summer school now. So it is. Whatever. It is summer school. This now, is all optional, so, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So, what are some other topics you want to talk about? Um, I that's at least all that I I wrote down about okay. um, about the online environment. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I, I you know want to reflect. I will say that the students who did come in after spring break, I noticed that I connected with them much quicker than I ever have with any of my other students. And yeah. I think just kind of all being in the boat together. Um, all being in that same situation kind of brought us all close because as soon as they walked in the door, like we're already joking with one another about things. And I, I think that, that, that was at least nice to see because um, the so much of the year was tough and there's so much to complain about as we already have, but just to at least end on a somewhat positive note was uh, to end better than we yeah, started. I think I, was a great way to, uh, to go I, out. I totally understand the logic that most students had when they said, why even go back to school for Correct. a month? Yes. But I'm glad we did because if we had just been online all year, mm-hmm. I think there still would have been some holdouts for next fall. Oh, I think and so. What yeah. I think is weird, man, is like, look, I looked at Clark County's COVID numbers the other day. We had 43 people get infected with COVID all last week. Right. Like, yeah. we're doing fine. Yes. But uh, even in summer school today, like, Probably about half my students were wearing masks. Right. And mm-hmm. maybe they're not vaccinated, and so that's the right policy. Correct. But I think kids just now have this, like, I'm afraid of the public attitude. Yes, yes. I, I, I noticed, because um, uh, I, I was doing a, a, a class out, out, outside of CCSD on, on Sundays, and we had one instance in which we had students come in 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 person and there was maybe i don't know 60 60 or 70 students oh that's a lot yeah uh, i mean we tried we had a big hall so we were able to space them out but once we gave them free time i noticed that if you were a student you did one of two things either you missed your friends and you immediately ran to them and you couldn't stop talking or the exact opposite you just kind of got on your phone because you didn't know how to start a conversation with someone that you didn't previously know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and that's been true for a, a while. I mean, some people are just naturally introverted and don't want to talk to people, and that makes sense. But I think it's just becoming more true because of what we've gone over over the last year. Yeah, like people that you're not, that you don't know, like the risk that you might get me sick isn't worth it. Correct, correct. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's unfortunate, especially considering that, at least from what I've seen with the numbers, that the risk has gone down substantially. Uh, and still, obviously, you have to you know be safe. Don't go licking doorknobs and uh, uh, you know <laughs> doing all that crazy stuff. But you can still go talk to people, and, mm-hmm. and you know you can find a way to continue to socialize. And I just hope that we didn't beat that out of students with uh, the online environment that we were in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am afraid of how many kids are just now used to or even like the isolation weirdly enough right um because and and i don't know about you man but many of my students have now told me their desire to graduate high school early or to transfer to an online high school and these are kids who i know are these super social outgoing kids last year but i think the experience of the pandemic says like oh high school now has restricted me socially so mm-hmm. i just want to get done with this thing and start living a life as an adult right and i mean i i, I get their incentive for that but i think one thing that we, we need to remember about education especially in the united states is look yes you need to know the material you got to know history math science all that but school teaches you a lot more than mm-hmm. just the actual content like you have to learn how to work with other people it's a key part of being an adult you have to learn how to compromise it's a key part of being a citizen in, in a democracy and there's no one who can really teach you that like certainly we can we can and do talk about that in history class but you more or less have to experience that by working with other people and choosing to go stay online or choosing to graduate high school early robs you of that opportunity and mm. i would argue that that is far more important than maybe the the content knowledge that you would you would gain well and it, i I've, I've maybe interacted with 12 students that have expressed a desire to graduate earlier to enroll in an online high school program mm-hmm. and all 12 of the students i've ever talked to none of them 
have told me they're doing it because they have an exact plan for their life and they want to start that exact plan early. Mm -hmm. All 12 of them say, I don't like high school. I have drama here with other students or I just don't like any other students. So I just want to get this done with and get it over with early. And then I immediately ask them, okay, if that's truly a reasoning, fine. But what is your plan? Right. What is your next step after high school? Yeah. And none of them have a good answer. Yeah, that's that's not good because I, I would I would yeah. hate to shatter their image of adulthood, but there's a lot of drama in adulthood as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the drama. You, you, you and I have plenty of drama we could share on this cor- podcast. Correct. But I mean, we won't. We won't. Because this won't. is a educational podcast. Correct. But, you know, just to, you know, you, you got to be real with the students and say, look, that this high school drama it doesn't go away it may yeah. mutate a little bit it might become a little more mature maybe but maybe. it's still going to probably be probably not uh it's still, it's still going to be drama and so you have to know how to deal with that there's times where there is drama and you have to face it and there's other times where you say you know what this isn't worth it and you just kind of walk away and ignore it yeah, but, and, and what's really like, sad is one one of these applicable students told me like mr brown i'm gonna graduate high school early and then i'm gonna become a psychologist and I said, okay, have you taken psychology in high school? Because Mr. Osi is really good AP psych teacher at my school. And he goes, oh, no, I haven't taken any psych classes at high school. I'm like, wait, and you want to graduate early and you want to become a psychologist? Like, why don't, yeah. why don't you take our version here now it's, so then you can get your kind of free pass in learning about this subject correct. that you're possibly committing your life to because it is free here yeah. in high school and it is very much not free at the next level the collegiate level yeah and and also despite all the things that teenagers say like high school isn't that hard of a no. period of your life like no. look i'm one of the weird kids like i liked high school you yeah. could go back in time and talk to the 17 year old version of me and right. i'll be like great time yeah um but so many students i talk to here who I get the sense they are enjoying high school. Yes. When you ask them that question straight up, they say, oh, it's the worst. Oh, right. I hate it. Yeah. And I'm like, do you though? Right, yeah. It's almost as though they're, not not like programmed to say it, but like yes. there's some sort of a pr- societal pressure to say, oh, high school is so bad. And yeah. You know, all that. And, I mean, if you talk to an adult, you know, a lot of adults, if you ask them like, hey, if you could go back to high school right now, would you? And oh, totally. And, man, yeah. halo parties. Yes. Man, hanging out with, with all my different groups of friends, like, any time. No back pain. That oh, was, my oh, gosh. Yeah, great. Yeah, no I know. No back right? pain. Yeah. <laughs> We're even getting some of those uh, sombreros, carne asada fries after school. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're good memories. Oh, man. yeah. You can literally eat anything as a oh, high school. And you just, it's just amazing. You can't do that when you get no. old. You, know, you, miss no, that. you get but, old and frail. But even beyond the, the pain and the, uh, the the eating and whatnot, like still, I mean, high school is just such an enjoyable time. And, uh, it, you know, it it does get more difficult. Not that I want to scare people who are going to be going into college or anything like that. But it, it does get more difficult than that. So you yeah. might as well enjoy the four years that you have in high school. But, but let me comment on that point, though. Did kids enjoy this last year? Ooh, that w- uh, I think I, the answer's got to be no. Yeah, even even if you skipped class every day, I still think you didn't yeah. enjoy it at all. Yeah, this last year was just depressing for everyone. But yes. yeah, especially the kids. Yep. Because they didn't get those social experiences. See, all those experiences that I listed off, yep. Halo parties, eating sombrero tacos, like... Halo parties wouldn't have been possible during the pandemic. No. You can't bring a bunch of friends over to your house and play video games. No. You know, you can't be like, all right, let's all go out from the theater rehearsal and get carne asada fries together. Like, these memorable moments from my teenage years have been deprived Yes. from students of this past year. Yes. Which and, is really sad. And it is, it, for me, it hit me most I, earlier this week where I have students in summer school who are um, going to be sophomores and they have never entered, they never walked into the high school yeah. before. So they've spent an entire year, I mean, 25% of their high school career without ever actually experiencing all the stuff that goes along with learning in high school. All those, you know, going out to movies with your friends, staying late after school and, uh, you know, playing volleyball or what, whatever it is and all that. Um, all of that, yeah, all of that they missed out on because uh, of the online environment. But, Crap. Yes. Well, and I guess that's why, you know, they got these summer camp things going yeah. on at 
mm-hmm. at least my high school now mm-hmm. to try to re-engage kids oh yeah shoot we have uh karaoke madness or something <laughs> we're just trying to get kids out we're not even yeah. necessarily concerned about the education just we're, please we're come out <laughs> catching up for that lost time correct you know? yes and and already i'm seeing kids make friendships and like sharing their numbers with each other and i'm like okay yeah like, and i think it's happening quicker than ever before because well, they're desperate like, they're like oh my someone. god i need <laughs> I, I might not get to talk to them again like, you're I the first friend them. i've made in 15 months i know, you know? oh like, man so these these kids are are I, I, despite all we're, we're saying is I think that kids will want to make up for lost time. I think so. Start the next school year. I think so. We will have some kids who are used to the isolation and who are used to being socially distant. We, we do need to help them. But I think, I expect to be surprised by the amount of kids who'll be like, I want to go to every football game. Right. And I want to do all these activities. And I just want to want to be all in yeah, maybe, while I uh, can. Maybe because we deprive them of those experiences, they'll have a richer appreciation for yes. them. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, no longer are you going to skip a football game on Friday nights because at one point you couldn't go. Um, yeah. I know I told I told some of my students this. I'm like, look, in 20 or 30 years, you're going to have kids of your own and your kids are going to complain. Like, I can't believe I have to go to school every day. And you need to look at them and say, don't you say that. Don't yeah. you bring that mojo. Because one time we weren't allowed to go to school for a year and it was horrible. So uh, hopefully, maybe it's just the optimist in me, but hopefully having a richer appreciation for maybe some of those little things in, in, in life. Cool. I think that's a good spot to end it, man. I think so. That's so. kind of all the all the thoughts I have. But okay. I do, all, as always, appreciate you having me on. Here. Oh yeah, now, and and the thing is, you know, th- this is only the second time we've ever done the podcast. Yeah. Peter, you are the person I've talked to more about educational policy or anything. Yeah. Outside of the podcast world, so yeah, it's great. It's right. great actually getting at least one of our conversations correct, yeah, recorded, and, yeah, and putting it on here. So, so yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any questions about the podcast or would like to be a guest, please send me an email at vegasmoderneducator at gmail Thanks a lot.